it's not why we have climate change to begin with, but it's why we're just really immobilized in trying to to do something about it. It requires it, it requires action. It requires collective action and individual action on a mass scale. Um, and and pluralistic ignorance is certainly an impediment to that. You know that thing, right? When you think something is the case, but nobody else thinks it. It might be a little thing, like maybe you want to go home after a night's drinking, but everyone else seems to want to carry on, so you carry on. Or it might be a big thing, like climate change is real. Can we talk about climate change, please? Nobody else seems to want to. But then it turns out that you're not the only person who thinks something. You're not even in the minority of people that think something. In fact, you're in the majority, that loads of people would agree with you, if only they realised that everyone else agreed with them. But everybody thinks they're the only people who think something. So no one does anything, and no one says anything, and so nothing ever changes. Well, that is pluralistic ignorance. And if it sounds a bit confusing, it isn't. But what it is, is one of the most fundamental things to understand, I reckon. Not only about our brains and how they work in society, but about massive problems like climate change. What we might do about it, how come we've not done enough about it up until now, and how, if we harness it, we could make really rapid change really quickly. This is Your Brain on Climate. It's a podcast about human brains versus the climate crisis, about psychology, what it tells us about climate change and what we might do about it. My name is Dave and I've been campaigning and talking about climate change for the best part of two decades and there's so much that I still don't know about one of the most important causes of it all, human brains and how they work. I'm beyond excited to be bringing you this chat with not only one of the world's foremost experts in pluralistic ignorance, but in like psychology in general. This is Debbie Prentice, Professor Deborah Prentice to you and me, provost of Princeton University in the States, who has written extensively and done some of the most interesting pioneering work in pluralistic ignorance, social norms, the unwritten rules of conventions that govern social behaviour and how bloody weird they are. And we talked about so many of the things that I've been thinking about and have seen in climate campaigning over the years. We talked about imposter syndrome, this feeling that everybody else is good and you are rubbish. Where does that come from? We talked about social norms and that feeling that everybody else is panicking and that makes everybody else panic and how powerful and scary a force that is in society. And we talked about how to use pluralistic ignorance for change. It can be a reason why change doesn't happen, maybe one of the most important reasons that keeps out-of-date views locked in in society. But if we harness it, if we understand it and embrace it, it can be, and indeed it's proven to be, one of the most important ways to change hearts and minds that you can think of. If you hear this noise, it means there's wisdom. It means something has been said in the conversation that I put a little note in the show notes about. So don't worry about pausing the podcast. Go back and look at it later. That's how it works. And don't worry if you're confused, because everybody else might be confused too. Get it? Right. Let's get on with it. Your brain on climate. Pluralistic ignorance. Firstly, I can't say it. There's quite a lot of words I can't say. Squirrel is one of them. And pluralistic ignorance is another one. Um, what is it? A spoiler, I think it's one of the most... When I heard about this, I think it's one of the most important ideas in understanding 
people and climate change and stuff like that I've ever heard. But can you explain, bearing in mind I'm a bit of a thickie, can you explain what it is? Yeah. So, uh, uh, and thanks for having me on. Uh, so pluralistic ignorance is a phenomenon uh, in which each individual in a group, a collective or a community um, thinks they feel differently than everybody else in that group, collective or community. Um, so it's when the majority thinks they're a minor- minority, um, often a minority of, of just one. Uh, and, and they're, they're incorrect about that. It's it's a, a, a misperception grounded in some very basic psychological processes. They're incorrect about that, but everybody has that same experience. So everybody in the majority thinks they're in the minority. Correct. Ah, uh, it's quite complicated. Let's have some examples. Let's have some examples. Okay. Um, okay. So is it is it like I went? Uh, I know you've done a lot of stuff about drinking, and I was reading your stuff about drinking, and then I went drinking earlier this week and I was on the way and I was thinking uh it's a Monday night I don't really want to get drunk tonight but I'm going out with my friends and they will expect me to and I was on the way I was wondering well how many of them don't want to get drunk either but we're all going to kind of do it because we all kind of think everybody else wants to do it is that what it is that yeah, sort of thing that's that's exactly right it's the difference it's when there's some distinction between what I want or feel and what we want or feel right um, and and I bet you got there, and they all looked like looked to you like they wanted to be drinking. Um, yeah, you, they were. You, yeah. you you of course looked to them like you wanted to be drinking too. But uh, that doesn't mean that you weren't thinking in the back of your mind, how am I ever going to get all that work done that I have to do, or uh, you know, how am I going to feel on Tuesday morning? They of course were thinking that too. But none of you were act. You couldn't see those thoughts in each other right you 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 couldn't see their misgivings and they couldn't see yours mm. and so you, you probably had a great time right yes i did regret it on tuesday morning though and I, it particularly kicked in round about the time of like the last pint right when there was a real sense i think around that point i'd begun to feel that actually we would all quite like to go home now but we all had one more pint and that's the pint that regret it what what is actually what are we what's happening in that space what is what are we all doing to each other why don't we why doesn't someone just say i've had enough lads i'm going home sometimes of course somebody does say that but i but you know it's because you don't expect that they'll receive that well um you you think you don't want to be that person uh, you want to be one of us and and we drink um oh. uh, so I, I think it's uh it's partly it's 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 like a shared collective identity right that you've that you may have uh, ahead of time with your friends, but that also people develop within a situation. They suss it out and sort of get in sync with each other around certain set of behaviors, and uh, and nobody wants to to break 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 us up, right? Break break the we yeah. uh, or mark themselves out as not one of us or as not as much fun or whatever the case may be. Uh, and so, yeah, you go along and. But you think you're the only one going along, right? You, right? you think that they're all totally into it. They're all 100% there because you look at them and they look like they're totally into it. Uh, and, and so you're the only one who has misgivings. But they're looking at me and they're thinking they're the only one. So that's what pluralistic it. ignorance is. And it's the the emperor's new clothes, right? Right. That's another way of thinking about it. Tell, tell people about that tale for people who haven't heard it. Sure, absolutely. So this is a Hans Christian Andersen 
uh, story, I think, of of the emperor uh, who. Uh, 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 the naked emperor, right? The emperor who who goes out uh, before his his people naked, uh, and everybody everybody sees that the emperor is naked, of course. But uh, they all compliment him obsequiously uh, on his new clothes uh, each time, uh, and so everybody knows, but nobody knows that everybody knows. Uh, the emperor is sustained in his uh, illusions until I think it's a child, right? A little girl, uh, you know, calls out that, it, you know, breaks the spell, right? Breaks the pluralistic ignorance, calls out the emperor as naked. Um, and then of course it, it just, it just crumples, right? The, the, the illusion is like a, a balloon, right? And it, that, that uh, just crumples uh, the minute somebody uh, speaks the truth. But it is an illusion. It's, it, it is like witchcraft or magic or something. It's like we're all being held under this kind of collective fantasy fiction thing, which the second it gets burst, it's burst. But what it's holds amazing. it up, what holds it up is that your ongoing experience when you're out with your friends is that they're enjoying themselves. So mm. it really is sustained by behavior that validates it, uh, that you see all around you. And we all do it. You can, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, 20 times a day, I reckon, <laughs> in some way. This isn't like a thing that just happens at the big macro going to the pub or social level. This is just a thing that affects our lives. There was a thing recently where my partner and I were both going to go and do a thing and neither of us wanted to go and do the thing, but we both assumed the other person wanted to do the thing. And so we were very close to doing the thing until one of us said, well, I don't want to do that thing. And the other one said, well, I don't want to do that bloody thing either. So we didn't do the thing. <laughs> right? Um, and it could be so simple, but, but even on a one-to-one level with someone that you love and you see all the time, and maybe even particularly on that level, I don't know, because you take so much for granted in, in what's normal. Yeah, absolutely. people are doing is they are uh, it starts with people's fundamentally social nature people are constantly looking to other people to figure out what situation am i in what are these people you know they they're they use other people as their tests of reality right um and so um pluralistic ignorance happens when the reality that you see reflected by other people's behavior doesn't match your feelings, right? So it's when you look to other people um, for, and and by the way, we look to other people all the time, right? We look to them for, for validations of our reality all the time. Uh, when what you see doesn't match what you feel, then you assume that you're alone in your feelings. Now, other people's behavior, your interpretations of other people's behavior are based on surface characteristics. Do they look like they're having a good time? There are certain emotions, right, that are very hard to see in other people. So one of those is uncertainty. Mm. So, so, so what do you look like when you're, un- what do you do when you're uncertain? Uh, well, this isn't going to work in audio, but kind of this. Yeah, you, like may, you, may make a, you may make a face, but, but mainly you do nothing, right? Yeah. You wait, yeah. you wait. You wait for certainty to arrive, um, and, which you hope it will. But mainly you just, you're, you sort of sit there doing nothing. Well, people in, don't interpret sitting there doing nothing as a sign of uncertainty, right? Mm. They often interpret it as a sign of certainty. Confidence. So, yeah, sure. So you're in a classroom, right? And, and 
uh, you have no idea what's going on. But when the lecturer says to you, you know, do you have any questions? Nobody raises their hand. Well, that's mm -hmm. because nobody actually has any questions. They're so confused. They're beyond questions, right? But they look around the room and they say, oh, everybody else gets it. I'm the only one who, who doesn't know what's going on. Um, it, this happens all the time. And it's because their interpretations of the behavior that they see, which is in fact the same behavior that they're showing other people, right? But oh, it looks so different. Complicated. <laughs> yeah, but, but it looks different from the outside, right? Yeah. Uncertainty looks a lot different from the outside than it feels from the inside. It's um, making me think of, of, of the first week at university. I don't know what you call it in the States. We call it Freshers Week, right? The first week you go and you assume, I remember hating it and, th and being terrified and thinking that everyone else was having an amazing time and it was just me who wanted to go home and have a cuddle off my mum. Right? And it, it, it's that, right? Yeah, it's that feeling that. that everybody is assuming everybody else is doing that because we are at a very basic level we want to fit in and we don't want to be ostracized yes right? yeah or we get and we want to we want to we want to be um we, we want to be valuable enjoyable competent moral people right uh so we put that face on whether we you know know we're doing it or not we put that face on we show that face so to the extent that you're not feeling terribly competent or, you know, you're not feeling very together, um, you, you learn at a very young age to compensate for those feelings in, in the, what you project to the outside world and you convince people. And, and what that means is that, you know, everybody's convinced uh, that nobody is feeling that way but them. Right. Got it. And I'm beginning to think it explains a couple of things. The first one is something that's actually really common. So I work in climate change, communications research, campaigning stuff, and I have done for a long time. And you get a lot of people, and I don't know if it's more common, but I've seen a lot of people with what they, what you might call imposter syndrome, right? So a lot of people feeling like everybody else knows what they're doing, and it's only me, it's only little isolated person feels that they don't because it's a world in which kind of confidence is everything there's an awful lot of kind of confidently asserting that government should do a thing and confidently having a plan so is imposter syndrome part of pluralistic ignorance where you alone think that you are out of your depth is that yes it? absolutely imposter syndrome is a perfect it is is virtually always a case of pluralistic ignorance and that's and that's true. That's true when it comes to climate. It's true when it comes to you know university. Uh, university students all have imposter syndrome. They're all sure that they're they're the one that doesn't belong there. They're the one that doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and of course, everybody feels that way. And do you even just you know? Because I, I think there's a lot of I love that thing when you finally admit to someone, oh god, I don't know what I'm doing, and they go, that's all right, David, I don't know what I'm doing either. But even in your exalted position, do you do you do that? Do you feel that as well? Like reassure me that that you feel imposter syndrome sometimes as well. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And what 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 being a social psychologist helps with though is knowing that actually all you have to do is say it, um, and right. you know it, it it the the insight of pluralistic ignorance is be authentic and say what you feel, and you're going to find that a lot of people feel it too. Yeah, even though that's scary, right? But it's, sure, but it's kind absolutely. of absolutely. I was thinking about the kind of the opposite of this, which is that what you were just saying. If you just say something and kind of pierce the spell, it can. Everybody goes, yeah, hang on, that's right. And do you think a lot of that is why conspiracy theorists conspiracy theorize because they've kind of realized that actually there are a lot of myths that we all share and they in their own version of that myth is 9-11 um, was an inside job or we didn't land on the moon or climate change is made up that kind of thing and so once you, you can kind of get addicted to breaking that spell do you think there's something in that 
What I would say about, so conspiracy theories in general thrive um, uh, under different circumstances. Conspiracy theory, people come up with conspiracy theories uh, basically as an attempt to gain control over a world where they, you know, that's a response to, to uncertainty and a feeling of a lack of control. It, it, you know, it's, right. it's a bit scary to be the victim of chance or to be the victim of circumstances or, or systems or processes beyond your control. But so it's really helpful to have a, a, a clear theory and a clear villain. And it, it, it makes the world a lot more, uh, it makes sense of the world in a way. What I would say is, so that's why individuals are responsive to conspiracy theories. What I would say, of course, is that um, uh, theories uh, thrive in communities where everybody can get on board. So, um, so while pluralistic ignorance doesn't explain why individuals themselves are attracted to conspiracy theories, it, it can explain how those theories really get some currency within a whole group of people as everybody believes that everybody believes and any misgivings you might have about the fact that this sounds insane, right, are, are, are quelled by the fact that nobody else seems to think it's insane, right? ignorance is a, a huge um, uh, impediment to social change. Pluralistic ignorance favors, it, it, it's got, it, it creates what's called a conservative lag. Uh, that is, it, it, it mitigates against social change huh. under most circumstances. And the reason why is because as individuals, and let's take climate, for example, right? As individuals are concerned about the climate, they look around to other people and they still, they see those other people still doing what they've always done, right? They see those other people still driving SUVs, still, you know, heating their homes, still uh, throwing recyclable things into the garbage can. And they say, oh, I guess, I guess, I guess I'm the one who, I, I guess I'm out ahead of the pack here. I guess I'm more concerned than everybody else. So, Pluralistic ignorance tends to hold existing norms in place. And that's been shown time and time again. That, For example, there's a really famous study way, from way back in the 1960s about racial attitudes in the United States. Uh, segregationist attitudes were held in place by people adhering to practices, traditional practices that, that you know, held tight, right? And that they assumed that other people still supported those practices, right. even once they no longer did. So where you see, you know, where pluralistic ignorance has a huge effect is um, in, in preventing social change in being a break on social change. Yeah, I, I definitely see that in the climate world, because there's two things going on, you're getting bombarded by more and more and more evidence for want of a better word like facts not least all the scientists saying stuff but you know huge swathes of america were on fire may even still be on fire huge swathes of australia are about to come on fire things are happening yeah. right and at one level you take that in but this is me right and I, even i i've been doing this for 20 years even i if i sometimes look around me and go well no one else is panicking so it must be all right and i remember the time when i've had the most kind of climate anxiety was a couple of years ago when people did start to panic and when all of the movements started to happen and all of a sudden everybody was expressing a kind of alarm about it and suddenly that social norm made me scared even though my knowledge of the facts hadn't changed right do you know what i mean 
Right. Because there was acknowledgement of it. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got to deal with your own anxiety and, and everybody else's rising anxiety about this. Absolutely. Which kind of suggests, I guess, for like people trying to communicate about climate change, wake people up about climate change or anything, you know, gender equality, racial equality, anything where this conservative lag applies, small c conservative, I guess, um, mm-hmm. the, the thing to do is not just to bombard people with facts, but to also understand about how those facts are embedded and how you pierce that story. But, but also, but what is the role of facts in that? Because there must be some role for kind of the evidence part of it. Sure, absolutely. What you've got to do is give people a way, something new to do. You've got to make it show. You've got to, you've got to um, have people's rising consciousness about these issues. Give them a behavior they can do. Give them a way to express it uh, so that other people will see it and will recognize it. Right. So it's, it's all about, I mean, pluralistic ignorance is hugely about people observing other people as, as a reality, as, as their test of reality. So the frustrating thing about climate change, I think, is that huge numbers of people, I think now are hugely anxious and worried about it. Um, but they don't have any way to express that. Mm. It's easy for them to do. Many of them can't stop driving altogether. They can't, besides a lot of what, a lot of the expressions of, of recognition of climate change are going to involve not doing things rather than doing them. Right. right. So, you know, if you, you're not going to notice people not going on airplanes, not getting in their cars. Right. So, so that's the other problem is that the behaviors that would uh, express a, a concern about climate are not very observable. So you've got to give people things they can do that, that others can observe. Talk to me a bit about nudge theory stuff. Cause if I understand nudge theory stuff right a large part of that is about making things visible that otherwise might not be that's one aspect of it right yeah so nudge uh nudge theory uh is is really about structuring the environment in ways that ordinary human beings going about their daily lives will do the right thing um and so you know it, it it's a lot about where Structuring the world involves everything from, you know, structuring forms, uh, putting signs in front of people at the critical moment when they're about to throw their recyclable bottle into a garbage can, right? <laughs> Label the recycling thing, make sure that it's there when they uh, have this bottle to get out of their hands. So it's understanding human psychology and and building a world in which that leads people in the right directions. That's why all that's required is a nudge, although, you know, all of us will tell you that often more than that is what's required. But um, but that's the idea. And so it's 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 congruent with this way of thinking. Right. It's yeah. it, it enables people to act in ways that they presumably want to act, but have difficulty finding channels to act in their normal lives. Your brain, Your brain, Your brain on climate. And do you think the fact that pluralistic ignorance is so kind of important to how we think, you know, these and the social norms are so important, do you think that's one of the reasons that we've got the climate change we've got in the first place because of this sort of lag towards doing stuff? You know, we'll talk in a minute about how you might use it, but is your sense that 
if we were if we had understood better as sort of change makers a while ago that social norms are important that we might not have had so many people thinking it's all right to carry on flying even though the world's on fire yes uh yes absolutely it's it's not why we have climate change to begin with but it's why we're just really immobilized in trying to to do something about it it requires it, it requires action it requires collective action and individual action on a mass scale um and and pluralistic ignorance is certainly an impediment to that i remember uh, over here in the uk we had a thing i don't know to what extent this was this traveled so you'll have to tell me three or four years ago now all of a sudden it seemed everybody started getting upset about plastic waste plastic in the ocean plastic 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 and our government started to do fairly ineffective things about it um I was trying to think about what is it that actually changed? And what people say changed is there was a programme over here by David Attenborough which uh, showed loads of plastic in the sea and loads of turtles with bags around their necks and all this sort of stuff. And suddenly everyone went, wow, that's awful. But it's got to be more complicated than that, right? Because everybody, I think, in the back of their head for 40 years had done things like go to a shop and been given a plastic bag they didn't ask for and shove it under the sink or walk down a country lane and see plastic bags in the in the fields and so there's this kind of underlying thing that was happening which somehow got activated by the right moment at the right time and is that kind of thing about at the right sort of way to pierce this pluralistic ignorance spell and that that's what we need to really pay attention to do you think I think certainly events like that can make a big difference. Uh, but what I would say about it is, so, you know, the the right event or the right message or the right, you know, a, a broadcast can actually make a huge difference. But something has to follow on it to make that behavior uh, sustainable. Uh, you know, I lived in Europe for a year uh, back in, I mean, over 10 years ago, Um and uh, they didn't give us plastic. There were no plastic bags in the the grocery store. Like, there was wow. there was no way. Yeah, they just Where weren't there. Uh, it was in Paris, actually. Um, uh, Paris. And and there were no there were no plastic bags. And so guess what? Uh, I learned. <laughs> I, I learned to bring my own bags. It was yeah. really, it, it was yeah. very effective. Um, so you know if if um, uh, if you can follow up. Uh, that's why, for example, in San Francisco, I think they've outlawed plastic bags. I mean, you just have to get rid of them, right? Uh, because they're very convenient. And if they're there, people will take them. And it, 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 even if you alert them and get them not to do it for a while, the habit will come back if there isn't a different habit that comes into place. So I, I think with something like climate change, and this was true, uh, this is true of any uh, social movement. Uh, the A good example is the uh, the anti-smoking movement here in the United States. Um, what's possible at any moment uh, changes over time, right? So, and you use a combination of incentives and, and then and then laws when you can get them, and, and information campaigns, and you know, an information campaign can do a, a great job in the moment, and then it, something has to come along to to you know create a new norm or to yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It's really a sequence of actions. Um, and, and that's why, you know, I think one of the things that I worry about with climate change is that people s see the catastrophe and they feel like the little things that they can do today are a drop in the bucket compared yes. to what's at stake. Um, do those little things you can do today, 
right? Because if you do those little things you can do today, something new, so, you, you, there will be more possible tomorrow, right? And and as people see you do those little things, they'll do those little things, and then laws will get passed, and and then you know that'll be a big change, and then you'll work from there. And you know the the smoking example. One of my favorite aspects of the smoking example is. You know, one of the watershed events that happened here in terms of uh, reducing smoking was the the findings on secondhand smoke mm. because um, that meant it wasn't just you. It was always you know a, a personal choice, individual rights and and people got behind that when suddenly it was a social issue and it was somebody else's health was at stake. That was what made it possible to pass laws to create smoke free workplaces. Then you would see poor smokers outside in the cold and rain smoking. It no longer looked very glamorous. That then led to, right? So it's the it's the sequence of events that happen. And you don't know what's going to be possible down the road. Uh, you don't know when you're actually going to get the support that's going to lead to the landmark legislation. You know, gay marriage is another example in the United States. I don't think anybody, you know, it was impossible to predict that progress would go the way it did, right? Um, and that things would unfold the way they did. And it was partly the construction of really compelling narratives. It was some critical legal work that created some landmark rulings, right? Um, and now it's just, it's we're on the other side. I mean, it's inconceivable that this would even be something that was, that somebody would have questioned. And yet it's, you know, it's a living memory that it was inconceivable the other way, right? So you can get there. and. And what I would say about pluralistic ignorance is it's a key thing to understand in the mix, right? Pluralistic ignorance, what pluralistic ignorance teaches you fundamentally is how much people's reality is guided by what they see around them. Um, so you can actually get, um, you can get a silent, you can get the, the reverse of the typical pluralistic ignorance. You can get it being um, not a conservative lag, but actually a booster to social change if in fact you can make social change the more visible. And so for example, um, in the 60s and 70s in the United States, um, when uh, protests and so on were very visible, people were demanding change. That was when the, the, the notion, the idea of a silent majority um, uh, was, was became an important political concept, right? So Richard Nixon, used that uh, you know, centrally in his campaign for president, but it was the conservatives who were the silent majority, right? It was the, the anti-war students and the civil rights, you know, it was all those people out there making a lot of noise. Um, uh, you know, if only we could do that with climate, right? If only we could, in fact, um, get the assumption to be, get pluralistic ignorance working for us, right? Get, get everybody to feel that they're behind, uh, yeah. that they're not doing as much as everybody else. Uh, that would be a huge help. But you do see that, don't you, like with people uh, pointing to opinion polls. So opinion polls say X percent, 70% of people think climate action is important. And although sometimes I look at that and I go, yeah, but that doesn't really tell you about their behaviour, in a way it is starting to shape that story that actually we're all in the mood for doing this. And that, that yeah. is important as, as part of the picture, right? Yes. So two things I've taken from this chat. Number one is that, pluralistic ignorance can be pierced 
and there are strategies for doing it. So we want to talk in a minute about that. And the other thing is, it's not necessarily always bad. Like, it is what it is. It is a facet of being human. And if what you're mm-hmm. trying to do is make progressive change, or indeed any change, understanding it and using it to your advantage by trying to actively show a new social norm is being created and helping to create that is important, right? So firstly, how do we pierce it? How do we just challenge it, name it? What are strategies for doing that in our lives or in our immediate surroundings? It helps to have... So you need to show people um, that they all feel the same way. Um, So, uh, you know, one of the things that I've done in my research is... Uh, have people indicate how they feel and then just share those results with people. Right. right? I mean, and you can do it. I used to do it in a classroom. I would say, you know, how many of you think that you're less comfortable than average and every, you know, 85 or 90% of people would raise their hands and then they'd all look around and they'd all laugh. Right. Because it, 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 in, in recognition, because we all know what that is. Right. Like they, and that's such a powerful experience. Uh, and it feels so good, right? It feels so good to to reveal yourself and and have and find out that your feelings are shared. Um, that to the extent that you can create circumstances that enable you to do that, and obviously, you know, life isn't lived in a classroom, but um, but to the extent that you can in public, in large gathering public moments, or or you know, online in some ways, in in ways that feel authentic, to the extent that you can do that, that's the best way to do it. Public opinion polls are helpful in some circumstances. We're kind of inundated with them now, but um, you know, a famous example of of public opinion polls piercing pluralistic ignorance was um, in prohibition in the United States, uh, you know, prohibition laws essentially gave way once public opinion polls were published showing that they completely lacked popular support. Um, but then I, the other thing I would say is, you know, power to the individual in many circumstances, it really only takes one person, um, to say, Mm. but wait, right. I don't want this drink. I want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. you, you know, let's not, right? Yeah. Um, and and then everybody sort of feels relieved. It's it's like you and your partner. It's your it's that example. I don't want to go to this thing. Oh, thank God, I don't either, right? Yeah. Um, uh, so so being the person who that this is where being able to see the dynamic is helpful, right? You know, being the the bystander who helps in an emergency, right? Being the bystander who who says, "Wait a sec, this this might really be serious." Um, can can actually just shift the dynamics of the situation because you know everybody else had those feelings so close to the surface but not quite there and then using it to quote our advantage so what are the what are the couple of takeaways from that like if you if you're trying to harness pluralistic ignorance for social change sure i i mean like i say i i think um finding ways to make visible the behavior that you want people to engage in, right? Finding ways. It, it's, it's really, with climate change, uh, it, it, to me, the, the toughest thing is, is making it visible because so much of what we want people to do is, is to stop doing things rather than to start doing things. So you've got to be really clever about this, but, um, but, but making it visible and, and, you know, the, the biggest problem in the United States, you probably don't have this so much in the UK, but it, in the United States, it's so politicized yeah. uh, because I think the, the other thing, um, pluralistic ignorance happens when the people that you're observing are people you think you should be in sync with. 
right? Right. Doesn't if somebody that you consider other, right? If if some member of a different tribe uh, is is behaving in a particular way, you won't feel the pull of that. Um, it's only people of your kind that you feel the pull of, right? Well, once you've got you know, as we do in the United States, people polarized around this issue. Um, the 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 difficulty in the United States is how to move the people who aren't already converted, uh. right? How to move the people whose political identity is lined up around uh, around something other than climate change, right? Uh, I mean, other than fighting climate change, mm-hmm. uh, you whatever pro-business interests or whatever they believe to be the opposite of that. So you need to make inroads into that group. I mean, and, and you need to get some opinion leaders, if you will, in that group to, to start pushing for change. Right, so I am not going to persuade a Republican, but another Republican might. Yeah. Yes. That kind of. Yeah, way. and and you'll and you can find Republicans who have seen the light, and they can be your opinion leaders, uh, and 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 mobilize their own communities. So that was my chat with Debbie, which was massively interesting. Thank you so much, Professor Deborah Brentis, bloody hell from Princeton University coming to talk to me on this podcast. It's got me thinking about so much. When I first heard about pluralistic ignorance, in fact, shout out here to the amazing You Are Not So Smart podcast, which did an episode, an hour and a half long chat with Debbie and other experts all about pluralistic ignorance. Go and check that out because that's where I heard about this first and heard about Debbie first. But when I heard about it, I remember just that sense of, of course, that explains so much. It's so obvious when you look at it like that. But that doesn't mean in practice It's easy on a day-to-day kind of level to detach yourself from it. The thing that I've really been stuck with listening to Debbie is just that sense that it's not a good or a bad thing. It is just a thing about how humans work. It can be a really negative, restraining drag on change. But if we harness it and understand it, it could be one of the most powerful things that we've got, right? And think back to that moment. We talked about it in the chat, but that moment when all of a sudden it seemed that everybody had permission to talk about climate a couple of years ago which they didn't have before. And it wasn't that everybody just suddenly got it. Something changed in society. Something changed in your ability to feel that you could talk about it because you saw other people talking about it. Because David Attenborough was talking about it and Greta Thunberg and Extinction Rebellion were talking about it. And suddenly your mum and dad were talking about it and people in the shop were talking about it. And I mean, other people talk about it. And all because it was a thing that was suddenly all right to talk about. And you weren't weird for thinking it. Not unless everybody else was weird. So that was the end of this episode of Your Brain on Climate and of my first series. Massive thanks to all of the guests that have been on, to you for listening. Please spread the word and tell people about it. It's been hugely exciting. I've loved doing this. There's going to be another series. We'll come back early in 2022, I reckon. But for now, the best thing you can do is go back and listen to all the shows if you haven't done that already. But just tell someone else. Leave a review on iTunes. Let's get this thing noticed and up the charts, please. A couple of shout-outs to other podcasts. So firstly, to my other podcast that I do called Sustainer Babble, which is a comedy podcast. Yeah, sometimes touches on this stuff. Slightly different vibe. But if you want, again, a slightly different sort of podcast about climate change, it isn't all doom and gloom. Go and check that out. We've been going for six and a half years, so there's plenty of back catalogue there. And 
I'm not affiliated to this in any way, but I just love it. The Sounds Like a Plan podcast, which I want to recommend to you. It's about music and musicians and how people are in the business of inspiring people through song can use that to inspire people to do something about climate change. And it's actually bang on the beat of what we've been talking about in this podcast, about how people who listen to music can suddenly just see that other people are talking about climate change, normalising something, making it seem that something you care about inside is actually something that people are bothering to write songs about. So I really enjoyed it. Go and check it out. They're just back for a second series. Right, anything else? If you want to get in touch, uh, drop me an email, hello at yourbrainonclimate.com or on the Twitter at brainclimate. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back really soon. Check out the back catalogue. Love you lots. Bye-bye. <laughs>